grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, He is risen. And for centuries, Christians have greeted one another with these very words. For Christ is risen from the dead, and that changes everything. In our gospel lesson for today, the risen Christ certainly changed everything for the two women who were on their way to the tomb early on that first Easter dawn. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, as Matthew describes them, we think that that other Mary was Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. They had attended the crucifixion on Friday. They had witnessed the life of Jesus Christ slowly ebbing out of his body as he hung there on that cross for six hours. They watched his lifeless body being taken down from the cross and placed in a nearby tomb owned by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. Fast forward to Sunday morning, very early near dawn on Sunday morning, as these same two women are going to see the tomb as Matthew describes it. And just as there was an earthquake on Good Friday when Jesus was crucified, so there is also an earthquake on this first morning of the week. And this earthquake is accompanied by an angel, an angel who takes care of two large obstacles for these women. First of all, the angel rolls away the stone from in front of that tomb. And we believe that the stone was probably a very large stone because Joseph of Arimathea is described as a wealthy man and as such probably had a very large tomb, perhaps one that could accommodate his entire family. And second, the appearance of the angel made the Roman soldiers who were sent there to guard and protect and watch over that tomb paralyzed with fear. Matthew says they became like dead men. With those two obstacles out of the way, the angel announces to these two women that Christ is not here, for he is risen as he said. Indeed, on numerous occasions, Christ made predictions about his death and his resurrection, and they were very accurate. For example, on more than one occasion, Christ said to his disciples words to the effect, the Son of Man must go up to Jerusalem and be handed over to the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, and be killed and rise again on the third day. Or another time, Christ was walking with his disciples in the temple grounds in Jerusalem, and he made a statement that probably sounded ludicrous to people at that point. He said, destroy this temple, 
and in three days I will raise it again. And John tells us he was talking about the temple of his body. And on still another occasion, Jesus said that as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man must be in the heart of the earth for three days. You see, God wasn't making up his plan of salvation as the events unfolded on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Easter morning. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has always been God's plan of salvation. And Jesus talked about it very openly and frequently. Next, this angel invites these two women to see, to verify for themselves that the, ten- that the tomb is actually empty. He invites them to see where the dead body of Jesus once was laid. But the message of this angel to these women is much more than come and see an empty tomb. He tells them that Jesus is actually alive and that he is going to meet them in Galilee and that they should go and tell his disciples this. And as these two women are going to tell the disciples the risen Christ takes away any doubt they might have had as he appears to them. And notice how Matthew says, the women bow down and worship him and grab hold of his feet. Those last words are very important. Grab hold of his feet. For they demonstrate that Christ is physically, bodily, raised from the dead. He is not just a mere spirit or a ghost or an image of a risen Christ. He is the flesh and bones Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And for the next 40 days before he ascends to heaven, Christ will go on continuing to prove this same point, appearing to numerous people at numerous times in numerous situations even eating with his disciples. Yes, the risen Christ changed everything for those two women on that first Easter dawn. But in a similar way, the risen Christ changes everything for us as well. First, a risen Christ proves that he is exactly who he says he is. Exactly who he was proclaimed to be by his own heavenly Father at his baptism and his transfiguration when the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It is the same one whom Peter confessed to be the Christ, the Son of of the living God. The risen Christ proves that he is, in fact, the blameless, innocent, and righteous Son of God, in whom there is no sin, no evil, nothing punishable, you might say, by God. If he had sin, or if he had committed sin, he would have died for his own sin 
and his dead body would still be in that tomb. But the risen Christ proves that he is exactly who he says he is and that he has accomplished exactly what he came to accomplish. The sinless one, dying for sinners, giving his life as a ransom for many. And second, the risen Christ proves that the Father has accepted the payment of the Son as payment in full for all sin and for all evil, including yours. Every thought, every word, every action that is unacceptable to God and against his will has been covered now in the blood of Jesus Christ and in his life freely given. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, is proof of that for you. Paul states this truth negatively in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when he says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, meaning you are still in the guilt of your sins. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead and it is the risen Christ who frees you from the guilt of your sin. It is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus who has set you free, paying the complete price for all sin, a price that has been accepted by the Father. And third, the risen Christ changes the way that we consider and look at the death of a Christian. The late Cardinals Hall of Fame broadcaster, Jack Buck, came up with a rather unique way of ending each of his broadcasts. At the end of the game, the last words you would hear from Jack Buck were, so long for just a while. It was his way of saying that we're going to be separated, we're going to be apart from one another for a while, but after a while, I will be back, and so will Cardinals baseball. You will hear me again, and you will hear Cardinals baseball again. Isn't that a great way, an accurate way for us as Christians, we who follow the risen Christ, to think of the death of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Unfortunately, death still has the ability to take our loved ones from us for a while. And as Christians, we certainly grieve the departure and the loss of our loved ones for that while, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. The risen Christ has changed all of that. Now death no longer has the final say, and the grave is not the final resting place. Instead, death is but a doorway, but a gateway to an everlasting existence in the presence of God with all who have gone before us and all who will come after us. And doesn't that profoundly change the way we think of the death of our brothers and sisters in Christ? Doesn't it also profoundly change the way we think of our own death 
yet to come. You know, there is only one thing that I as a pastor can say at the funeral of a Christian that brings comfort and hope and peace. It's not that that person was a great person. It's not that that person led an exemplary life and helped many, many people during their lifetime. Those are certainly all good and commendable things. But the only thing that I can say at the death of a Christian that brings comfort and hope and peace is that Christ is risen. And by the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, so will that person, and so will you, and so will I, and so will all who trust and believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all of their sin. And finally, not only does the risen Christ change the way we think of death, he also changes the way we think of life. He gives life meaning and purpose. We no longer serve ourselves, but serve him who died and rose for us. We worship the risen Christ, not only here in this space, but every day of our lives, and by the very life that we live, serving him and our neighbor who is in need. And we do so, looking forward with great anticipation and excitement to that day, that day that has been set and established and is known only to the Father, when Christ will return. And he will raise us, physically, bodily, raise us, just as he was raised from the dead. And so because of that, for us as Christians, life is not a meaningless slog from one day to the next and to the next. Instead, life is a daily walk with our God into an eternity that he has laid out before us. And so, for nearly 2,000 years, Christians have come together on this day, on Easter Sunday, even in times of war, even in times of disease and pestilence, even in times of poverty and depression, to celebrate the one thing that changes everything no matter what else is going on in the world around us. That one thing, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And that changes everything. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.